What's up and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. This is your host, Jonathan Gellner, and thank you so much for joining us today. This podcast is powered by Stick and Ball TV, the baseball and softball streaming platform. Stick and Ball TV is a baseball-focused streaming platform featuring the best coaches, players, and premium brands in baseball today. Stick and Ball TV creates and curates baseball training content, on-brand partner content, and original lifestyle content, and publishes globally across their web, iOS, and Android apps. Check them out at stickandball.tv or on the Stick and Ball TV mobile app. On today's show, we're back with Dave Turchin, national head coach of IMG Academy. If you've never gotten the chance to hear Dave speak, then buckle up, because today we're talking about ramping up skill work, respecting reps, individualizing parts of practice, and how we can train decision points. You're going to love this episode with Dave Turgeon. When we get back to the preseason, uh, let's say uh, you guys have a month or two to prepare. What mm-hmm. have you decided to, or I guess you guys as, a, as a, an organization decided to do uh, to make sure that, that that stuff happens? So you talked about ramping up. What are some different yeah. practical things that you guys are doing? Getting hitters ready with game-like reps. I know you're a big proponent of, of that, trying to match yeah. the game. And so mm-hmm. just, if you could open up some of the some of the things that you guys are doing on a on a daily basis on the field, and maybe let us steal some. Stuff. So when when we ramp up, and so when they get back, we will ramp up specifically by skill work. Um, you know, infield play, outfield play, hitting, base running, segmented. You know, versions of the game, right? Um, and before we, you know, and so part of that ramp up will be in those areas I just mentioned, uh, gradually adding volume on a daily basis, um, you know, and when we feel like the, the group is ready and, you know, a lot of times opening day determines, well, whether they're ready or not, we got to do some things. Generally, within the, the you know at the beginning of that second week, we start hitting that team uh, fundamental team practice stuff where we're trying to we're trying to integrate all the stuff that we've been doing, speed it up on them, tempo demands of the game, tempo of practice, trying to match the demands of the game, all of those things, and um, so bringing that together, you have you know shoot, you might have a five week period, which isn't much. Um, especially with guys on the mound, you know, and, you know, it is, you know, you're getting into February, um, you know, and it's, it's still early in the year. And so you got to be careful, but that's really the process. And, and it's, there's no, there's no set way of, of doing that. It is art, man, because each group you have shows up differently. You know, I'm hoping that, you know, the group that I have is extremely motivated and, and uh, conscientious about, you know, what they have in front of them in this upcoming season. Many of them have a great opportunity in front of them, um, you know, to up their stock in the draft. Some maybe to get on the radar of the draft, some to prepare to go play in the SEC or the ACC, which is, you know, a lot faster and stronger and, you know, better than the league we're in right now, you know. So hopefully those guys, you know, they understand, you know, what's at stake. Um, and, um, I'm not, you know, uh, clearly I don't feel the need to coach energy at this level. These guys are pretty darn motivated that way. Good. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's the, the ramp up is, is, is kind of crucial. Um, you know, and 
the more they show up ready when they come back from break, I think that's really going to dictate the speed of the group. Sure. No. And, you know, I'm a huge proponent of iron sharpens iron. So they're seeing guys at their position that are just as good or better oh, yeah. than them every single day. And so that's just going to make them even better. Uh, have you taught them how to respect the rep yet? Yeah, I think, I think, you know, and I, ha again, I don't have my, my, my spring group. Um, I think, I think that that's a, I think that's a daily occurrence. Um, you know, I always introduce the concept. I always ask them at the end of the day, how we did with that concept of respecting our reps. Um, can you, can you explain it to the guests who may be hearing you for the first time, what that means? So honestly, I think, um, it goes back to, uh, a story of a competitive environment we had going with the pirates and, uh, we had a head to head competition on defensive side and, and one of them just, um, he threw a ball away on a routine ground ball. And um, I asked the, the manager who was running the, the, the drill, I said, you know, what do you think happened there? And he said, he just didn't respect that rep. And, you know, I, I just liked uh, what that meant. And it really was about the mind and focus and intent of that rep that he took as to why he lost that competition. And as I looked at it, I thought, well, you know, it has everything to do with skill, skill, you know, acquisition and guys improving and getting better on a daily basis. The more we do things with focus and intent, you know, the more we can improve and the more we can have confidence because our skill sets are getting higher. And, you know, confidence, as you know, and I'm, you know, you've been in this thing long enough is, is not a something that you can give a player. It's something that has to be earned. Um, you can encourage them and push them, um, but they have to acquire those skills to acquire that confidence to play this thing at a higher level. And uh, that comes through purposeful reps. Um, and so the concept of, you know, respecting the rep has been big. And, and that goes for coaches as well to respect, you know, the prep to create an environment where players have to respect the rep. And, and I think, um, you know, creating an environment, a challenge and, and uh, some stress and some, you know, um, competitiveness and all of those things, um, you know, without telling them they have to uh, respect every rep. And I think once we hit them with the concept and, and, and so, you know, I, and I start asking, all right, guys, what do you have on, on uh, the practice today? What do you have on the practice today? What's something that we did really well today? What's a way ahead? You know, and, uh, you know, I've had kids, you know, right out of the gates that I felt like we respected a lot of reps today. And and um, I don't always agree with them because I would be you know, I want them I want them to understand what what a standard is. Um, but there are times, too, when they've said we didn't respect as many reps where I disagreed and said, well, you know, that's that's interesting. I said, you're a tough critic. I said, but, you know, we're I felt like we respected a fair amount of reps today. Um, we may not have gotten the results that we like, um, but I felt there was a focus and intent that has that was there for for a greater you know amount of the time. So, you know that that's the evaluation process too, and you're 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 allowing them to speak, expose their thoughts of where they're at and how they see this thing, and um, you know that concept obviously is as simple as it is 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 pretty meaningful, you know, and. Um, it has been for me, um, and I, I, I do make it clear to the players that 
you know, the secret to success, the secret sauce is always going to be in that work. Yeah, no, no doubt. And I think, you know, the older I get and the, the longer I do this, the more I realize that is an elite skill that can absolutely be trained. And, you know, I, Amen I, I posed this question to our group earlier this year. And I said, how many of you guys would like to get better instantly? And like, you know, hands shot up around the room. And I said, you know how you do that? You know how you do that? And, you know, you, you give the, the, the awkward silent pause and then you go, <laughs> you, you win every pitch or you're a president yeah. every, every single pitch. And I was like, yeah. if you can do that, you instantly become better just because no doubt about it there. You're present and you're respecting yeah. those reps and the guys that do that, it doesn't matter what level you're at. They stand out. And I, I love hearing they that. sure Even do. With, you've got elite players uh, all over the field, but the guys that are communicating on each pitch and really locking it in and, mm-hmm. and, and have that joy that, that comes mm-hmm. with that. And, mm-hmm. and I, man, I, I could not agree more uh, with that statement, respecting the reps and just focusing and trying to win every single pitch. No doubt about it. Yeah. The, uh, the ability to show guys how to work and how to be present is a huge, um, it's a huge task. And, um, you know, young minds, young guys, young boys, um, you know, undeveloped uh, minds, they don't have a ton of life dirt in their cleats. They have, they have a lot of different social media stuff. They have so much different stuff on their going on in their brains and on their plates. It's uh, right. that's a big yep. challenge, you know, um, but it's fun. It's fun to figure it out, man. No doubt. No doubt. So one of the other things that, you know, I, I, I think that you do a really good job of is uh, trying to translate what happens in a game. And, you know, you, you uh, are really into skill acquisition. And so I'd love to hear just some different uh, concepts or drills that you like or different things. I know we talked on the last podcast, which was now a couple of years ago, which is crazy to think, but how can we, how can we do better drills to help transfer the game to our drill sets? So here's, here's where I've kind of uh, evolved on, uh, on skill acquisition and block training versus random training and uh, zoo and jungle. And I think part of this is, is the level I'm at, which has brought me a, a, a more depth to my coaching than I had, a, had thought or imagined. Okay. I, I feel like you need to know your stuff better at this level. I think you need to digest it down even further for these players. So it requires you knowing things at a deeper level, in my opinion. I, that's what I have found. Um, can I help any level of player in a, in, in a way and meet him where he's at, give him what he needs in a way that he can understand it, show it to him, have him experience it and help him do it. That's it's a, I would be honest with you. It, it's easier in pro ball than it is here. Um, and I have to, um, I have to be aware of a whole nother, you know, where, you know, skill sets and backgrounds and socioeconomic, you know, languages, country, all of that stuff. So this has been awesome, um, you know, with that. But that said, the whole thing on random versus block, um, how I've evolved with that, and I, I've just seen a, a lot of value in block training that I hadn't seen uh, at the upper levels because I've realized that within block training, you know, I'm not talking about shooting free throws. All right. It might be taking ground balls, which yes, he may know the ground balls coming to him, 
but you can create so much variability in speed and angles and bounces that, you know, the variability is, is often enough challenge um, for them to acquire some skills rather than speeding it up with, you know, decision points and randomizing it already. Right. So I found that there's, there's huge value in, in the block training and knowing when to blend in decision points in the randomness of it um, at this level has been very good. And I, I honestly believe that this is definitely art. Um, and I think that the block training and the individual skill work is important, creating that confidence um, for them to be able to now go from chess to checkers where, you know, you have uh, speed of ball, speed of runner. Where am I going on this ball to my left, ball to my right? Speed of the runner at first, speed of the runner at home. Ball hits me. Where am I going with this? You know, balls in a gap. Where are we going? Uh, just the, the movements and the anticipation of the 15 seconds between pitches. Who's covering? You know, curveball, you got it. Fastball, I got it. You know, there's just all of that. So I found that the, that the, Players having a skill set that is solid allows them to be free to think and run around because they have a certain confidence level already with that, um, you sure. know, and um, I've, I've found that there's a lot more blend in my work day, um, you know, with that stuff. There has to be. I mean, they can't right. just Absolutely. be, you know, they, they just it's it, they have there has to be an element of feel good in success of fielding and throwing accurately and barreling balls up consistently before sure. you then speed things up for them and make it more like, you know, the game. So. Sure. No, I, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I would just like with anything, I think that I'm, I'm trying to be square right in the middle of <laughs> the, there's a time and place for, for most everything. Yeah, balance is good, that. man. Yeah. Well, uh, I've learned from experience. So it's yeah. like you throw them, throw them at the wolves. And it's like, it, it's so stressful that they just, they're fight or flight the whole time or freeze. Right. Right. And they're not getting any better. But then we also have the, the kids who have mass, I don't want to say mastered, but mastered basic fundamentals of, Hey, here's how we feel a regular rolled ground ball uh, mm -hmm. into your forehand. It's mm -hmm. like, okay, now we, now we start to learn where those challenge points are. And I think that's the that's the art that you're talking about. And the master coaches are are really good about being able to do that, you know, within the team setting. And I think that that's really hard. And you, you mentioned even having, you know, 25 guys in your group that you're trying to even with the different skill levels, even though they're all right. considered elite in their age group, there's still different skill levels within that and different challenge points that you can have. But mm -hmm. uh, any, any advice on coaches who. You know, I, I think that this term individualized gets thrown around so often. Mm -hmm. And I think it, it's almost an insurmountable challenge if we try and literally individualize every single aspect of a player's day. You guys have a, an entire group and staff to be able to uh, do the, a lot of that. But any advice for, you know, guys like myself or high school coaches who, you know, like we have 50 hitters and, and so on and so forth, but how we can be able to take the concept of what we do in practice and then then individualize it uh, as much as possible, or at least parts of it, if that makes sense. Sorry if that has a lot of words. No, jumbo, everyone, everyone has a, a challenge too, in that what resources do you have? Like what facilities do you have? And, 
you know, I can speak to where I am of, um, you know, there's when I had, so when we have a practice day, I, I might have a period of early work. Um, I have a 45 minute block. Um, and if I'm doing defensive work that day, you know, I'll bring out two guys or three guys and we will drill down on what they need. Generally it's making this play, that play it might be a t- pivot. It might be the backhand. It might be the slow roller. It might one aspect of, of, of their game they need, they don't have. Right. So you're, you're individualizing things. It might be clock. It might be, it could be, it could be a, a number of things, rhythm and timing in, into the ball, hop reading. So on the offensive side, and so I, I may keep them early. All right. We go out there, we do a very crisp, you know, we talk about it, right. This is how we're going to do it. This is what we're looking for. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's go see if we can make it happen. And I love, I love that one-on-one attention anyway, because the walls are down. They're very, uh, they're very open and, you know, it's really cool. They feel cared for. And, and, um, yeah, I found that you can do a ton of good stuff in a, in a shorter period of time because they're not as self-conscious within a group, you know, or, you know, if we have an open-ended practice that day, um, I may keep two hitters. Um, and you know, you know, we're working on year, you know, for you, it's, um, being fastball ready, uh, you know, and spitting on the spin early or for this guy, it's, you know, we're, we're working on some fundamental of staying stacked to change his bat path. So we're going to do that through approach and high T and force seam right off the machine at the top of the zone, you know, all externally focused to make his body, make an adjustment with his path or some individual thing that he needs. Um, but there's always the time of the individual is, you know, of this thing is that we do it usually before practice or at the end of practice with, with sure. one, yeah. one or two or three max. Um, and then within the practice, you know, generally, you know, I want to see guys competing game speed, game tempo and, and, and in BP, those are very purposeful reps as well. Um, again, they get their feel good stuff done on their own early, you know, their, whatever their routine is um, so that they can come out. And I, I really want to see in practice hitting, not swinging and executing. No doubt. Well, that's really cool. So with, you know, with, with that too, there's, there's just so many, so many different things that, that go into being a good player. And, you know, I, I really think that this generation, we are extremely skilled. Like I, I, I think that they, have a, a ton of talent, but we're missing the presence piece or the thinking yeah. between pitches piece. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with my generation is kind of the, the, the gap in between, like I didn't have iPhones whenever I was growing up, but I had them in college. And so it's like, okay, so I was kind of that transition period here. They, they see I, I, whether, whether or not it's, it's good or bad, uh, it could be argued, but they see a, a ton of different things to be able to do for training Right. But for me, I, I, I feel like I'm in tune with, you know, things that are going on. And, and I feel like this this group is needing more of the game planning and approach and pre-pitch routines. Yeah, How to think the game within the game. 100% and, agree. And and so, like, tell us, they, they play a lot of games, but they're not thinking about the game. Correct. The game. So tell us a little bit about how we can do a better job. Because here here's here's my challenge for the coaches that are listening to we can gripe about it or we can use it as our competitive advantage, right? 
no doubt about and so it. we we can we can say oh the kids these days well they don't have this well i want to take that challenge on of no well our kids will and maybe your kids won't because you're not going to go over it with them but mm. since our kids have that piece or don't have that piece we're going to teach it to them and that's going to mm -hmm. be our competitive advantage but i'd love to hear your thoughts on how i, I know it it all comes it for me it all comes back to focusing on the pitch what's going on Take a deep breath. Like, what's your focal point? What's going on? And then between pitches, it's like, what's the situation? What are the outs? What's the speed yeah. of the runner? What's the, you know, what's the situation in the game? What inning is it? Things like right. that. And what do we know about the hitter? What's the count? All of those things. But when you throw it at them, it's a lot. So how do we simplify it and start to build up a foundation and layers on, on top of that so we can help them to be more coaches on the field? Um, uh, you, that's an awesome topic. Um, you know, and so now it becomes, how are we training our decision points? Um, you know, and the fundamentals of the game, how can we blend this together? How can we make it, um, demanding of them and, and we're developing their skills in their minds at the same time. I, I, I will tell you that my number one favorite drill, um, has become 21 out. We used to call it 27 outs, but in high school, it's 21 outs, right? And so what makes this so challenging is, you know, for those of you guys, if, if you haven't done it, it's, you know, they have to make 21 successive success player, successive plays in a row of executing routine plays or fundamentals. Um, and, 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 you know, if they mess a play up, it's back to zero. So, you, you, you know, you all of a sudden get to 19. All of a sudden, you know, a guy kicks the ball because, uh, you know, we got close to 21. He got a little tight um, and overtried and back to zero. So the words they never want to hear, back to zero, right? So it's an it's a unbelievable ex exercise. And this is, in my opinion, why it makes it so challenging is that the game has a way of, one play leading to the next play. It, 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 you know, a guy hits a base hit. He was running around first. Now you have double play in order, right-handed hitter up. So you, you have this set of plays that could happen with a runner on first and nobody out or one out. There's a rhythm and flow to this thing with 21 outs. Each situation is unique. And so you, you can, you're continuing to not allow for the flow of the game to where they can go to the next play in their mind you're throwing another play at them and it's a completely different deal. Um, you know, and for, you know, this, this play, you know, there's a runner on first one out the last play. There was nobody on nobody out right-handed hitter and a four, six runner up. Cause I have, now I have, I'm working a clock. I got my assistant coach, you know, with a clock cause we're working internal clock off this play. Um, you know, now we got a runner on first and one out and now I bang a ball in the gap. And now where are we going? How many decision points, you know, are involved on what that one rep is, that's a lot. Everyone's moving to spots. Everyone's got a job to do. And so you do that and you speed it up on them and you're training, you know, um, you're training their minds. You're training being present. They, if they aren't, they just, they lose the situation. Um, you know, and if there's pitchers off to the side and they're also involved in this thing, one of my go-tos to get them back to zero is I ask, I ask a specific pitcher, what is the situation I just called out? And if he doesn't know it, group goes back to zero, you know, so you're, you're teaching them how to pay attention and watch 
and be present at the same time. You're doing stuff at game speed. You're doing clockwork and you can add as many layers to it as you like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just, you know, for me, (laughs) it's the, the, the players love it. Like it's, it's so fast paced and it's almost like you hear soccer coaches talk about small sided games all the time. This would Mm. be an example of, of that in the baseball game. So, cause it's so fast paced there. You don't have to wait for a pitcher to warm up. You don't have to wait for balls and strikes. It's, but you can add as many layers and as many things onto it, base runners and what's the cat and like what's going on and communication in between pitches and mm-hmm. everything. So you, you could almost do it every single day and it would be really good. Like, I, I don't know. No if, doubt. There, there's so many layers you could do that. I don't. There know. is so many layers to it. You can, you know, we even have like it. So we'll do dueling 21 ounce. If I have enough for two shells, you know, guy, they just got to 14 straight on the 15th. Wow. Flip it. Other team goes, see if they can beat, you know, 13, get to 14. Now, we'll tell you, if you're really demanding in this drill, I've had it take as long as an hour, hour and five minutes. Um, you know, and you're, you're training their emotions. They get frustrated. They start getting pissed at their teammates. They start getting, you know, pissed at themselves. They start um, – you're really evoking emotions, which so does the game. And so can they get those things under control? Can they encourage their teammates instead of chastise them? Can they, you know, can they, can they dial it down themselves to get to the next play? And it's all about emotion and you can turn up the volume or or you can turn down the volume and you get the fungo in your hand. I even, I've done it with a machine. Um, But, you know, because you can really manipulate balls to the parts of the outfield where you really want them. But, you know, it's a it's a tremendous tool. And, you know, like I said, there are so many different versions of it that I use. And my my goal is to frustrate them. My goal is to evoke those, you know, tough emotions that the game, you know, brings. And and then let's see how they handle them. Could they resettle in? Did they settle back in and, and, and get to the next play? Can they do it? You know, yeah. sometimes it takes groups longer. You know, you got some guy. You got some – there's a lot going on, man. They got a lot going on. Yeah, no doubt. I just love it because the game – let the game teach the game. And, mm-hmm. you know, we Beautiful. Can, we can filter them in, in the in the right process. But other than that, Dave, like I, I – man. Every every time we talk, I learn something, and I'm I'm so grateful for your friendship and in in a way a mentorship. Back at you, man. All, all the things that that you've done for our game, but I do want to ask you one question before you go, and that's you know if if there are younger coaches listening, and you wanted to impart some wisdom upon them of you know things that I wish that I had known at 18, or hey this is this is what if you want to be a good coach, it boils down to this or just anything that if they're hearing you for the first time and maybe the only time in your life and your career, what do you want to leave them with? So I think of that. It makes me think of the story. I was working in the Dominican Republic for about five straight years. Finally in year number four, you know, and so what, what I did during that process is I stayed at a hotel in Santo Domingo and I, I'd have the, someone would pick me up and drive me to the academy every day. It took about 45 minutes, 50 minutes. You know, we'd drive down these roads and a couple country roads and show up at the academy. Did that for like three, three, four years. And I decided, you know, I want to want to drive. Let's start driving the Dominican Republic, you know, feeling pretty confident and um so, you know, I, f- I fly in and uh, they actually have a, uh, a thing where my rental car can, they 
deliver it to the hotel. And uh, I go and I'm like, nice, got my rental car, get in the rental car. Now keep in mind how many trips. And when I go down there once a month, it's for five, six days. So, you know, and I don't know how many hundred times I've been to and from the academy being driven. So I, I get the rental car. I think you know where this is going. I get in the car. I immediately have no idea where I'm going. Uh, because for five years I had a, I had a GPS driving me there. My, whoever my, my guy was driving me there and I wasn't paying attention, but I was getting to the spot every day, efficiently, consistently, no problem. But I had no idea how to get there. So I get lost and I got to go back. Somehow I find my way back to the hotel an hour and a half later. It's very upsetting being lost in a foreign country in a car. And so you know, I go and I get a map from the guy at the front desk and he works me through this thing on a map. So I find my way to the academy through the map and I find my way home through the map. And now I truly learned how to get to and from the academy. And I have just been not. And so I tell this story to the coaches down there. Who I'm, you know, part of my job is coaching these coaches and I said, man, I don't want to be this coach or this player, GPS coach, where you know, I'm constantly telling players the answers and they look to me for the answers and say, what am I doing? And I just give them an answer and they never truly own what they're doing because you never ask them what you think you're doing in order to really, truly learn your way. Um, and I will tell you that the, the question as a weapon um, is the number one weapon that we have in order to include them in their development. And if you truly want your players to learn and be able to be baseball players and adjust and problem solve on the field, you have to allow them to fail and ask them, what do you got? What do you think? Take me through that. Oh, try this next time. Without giving them the answer all the time, without making them completely dependent upon your stuff, because, you know, look, let's face it. I mean, coaching is fun and you can, it can, you can easily fix every one of their things with a quick something and you get your little dopamine hit and then he feels good and you feel good. And instead of allowing him to be frustrated and figure it out, you're, you're creating his own GPS system by helping him and allowing him to fail and then figuring it out and, and watching um, I, I, I really saw early in my career, I was one of them GPS coaches, um, you know, who was so willing to just fix, 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 because I thought, you know, that's good coaches do. And I, I don't really believe that any longer. I believe that, you know, we have to allow to, to grow our players. They need to figure out how to play, what they're doing, know themselves, how to, how to make adjustments for themselves. That's what a baseball player is, you know, and, and I think a, a master coach can 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 kind of, you know, he can he can he can take them through and, and help them navigate um, without just giving them the dope all the time. You know, back off, let them figure it out, let them fail, let them come to you. God forbid you have to like, they have to come to you. You got to run to them at first. I get you know, but I, I trust me, that's part of my process and my, my coaching testimony. I'll tell you, I was guilty of all of that in a huge way. Um, but um, uh, there are times I bet some of my players are going, what is he doing down there? Is he doing anything down there? You know. And the truth is the value of watching is the number one value, you know. So don't be afraid to watch. 
you know, and don't be afraid to walk away from a bad delivery, a bad play or a bad swing because they're going to have to figure it out. And when they come to you, you know, they want to be coached uh, and you got them and be ready. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a rating or review wherever you are listening. I also wanted to remind you that you can find the video portion at the AOTC channel on stickandball.tv. Have a great week.